This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Thursday Drive, WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad. We're after North Carolina's third straight loss. We're seeing a lot of the blame game today. It's all Hubert's fault. Seeing some of that. It's on the media overhyping this team. It's Josh Graham who jinxed us yesterday. That part might actually be true. Armando Baycott's become a popular target. No. Maybe it's the NIL deals. Maybe it's the Netflix show. It does seem that people do not like that. If you don't play well and you do commercials, boy, do people think that that's responsible. As if Baker Mayfield taking one day out of the summer and doing these progressive ads affects the way that he plays for the Panthers. Or back when he actually had those ads, the Cleveland Browns. I don't know. But I do know. Mr. Baycott's doing his job. He's playing hard, regardless of how banged up he might even be. It was the ankle we were worried about. Then it was the shoulder last night, and he still put in a good effort. He's like the tiger in that old Cat Williams joke. Maybe don't let the kids Google that one. Those who know, know. The problem's pretty clearly the dynamics in the backcourt. But rather than just be the host today that points out problems, how about we offer a solution? If North Carolina wants to see improvements on offense, R.J. Davis needs to have the ball more than Caleb Love. Will that fix all of their problems? Will that even fix the shooting? No. It probably won't do that. But it is a good starting point because Caleb's usage has almost single-handedly crashed Carolina's ball movement. They had five assists last night. Five. This is the team of point to the passer of Dean Smith and Roy Williams. And they rank 288th nationally in assists per game. 288th. And Caleb Love bears the bulk of the responsibility because of his usage. Now, I don't want to bog the show down with advanced analytics and stats. That's a good way to nuke a show with math. I went to East Carolina, after all. We're not really good at that. But I do know that usage is a compilation of a lot of things. It basically says, how often is this guy handling the basketball? How often is he taking shots? Involvement for the team. That's what usage is. And he is 57th, Caleb. 57th nationally in usage rate out of 8 158 players that have played minimum of 200 minutes. That's 57th out of 858. Now, usage isn't always, it's not terrible if you're 57th, just as long as your usage matches nationally what your efficiency rating is. So 57th nationally in usage, that's fine just as long as you're around 57 with your efficiency percentage. The problem is that Caleb Love, out of those 858, ranks 326th in player efficiency rating. You see where I'm getting at. You have all this usage, but your efficiency is terrible. 
it's not good. It's middle of the pack nationally. Meanwhile, R.J. Davis, even though his shooting's not been much better, even though he's had some turnovers as well, it just hasn't been as bad as Caleb. R.J.'s only had one game in which he's had fewer assists than turnovers. Caleb's only had two games in which he had more assists than turnovers. It's a start. Get Caleb the basketball, or uh, R.J. the basketball, more than Caleb. Caleb's comments and body language, they haven't been good either. It's not what you want to see from a leader. Here's something that Caleb said last night after the loss to Indiana about the problems that they've had on offense. It's like we're just standing um, and waiting for somebody to make a play. So uh, we just got to, you know, like change that, change our movements, uh, stay active, you know, off the ball. And, you know, we got to be tough enough and, and smart enough to get over it. It's like we're just out there standing, waiting for something to happen on offense. That's what Caleb said. It was a question asked by Winston-Salem native C.L. Brown, who covers North Carolina for the Raleigh News and Observer. And he took that quote, and when Hubert Davis sat down at his press conference, the way I don't want to take anything out of context, CL said, without mentioning Caleb's name specifically, there are guys who are saying that players are standing around waiting for something to happen. And this is how Hubert Davis reacted to that question. I think that's bejeebies. I do. Um, I don't know if somebody did say that. I, I don't want to comment on something that I didn't hear and I didn't understand the context in which they said it. But um, one of the things that I always tell the guys, not just in reference to tonight, just in life, you know, you have a choice of, you know, to, to whine and complain, to point fingers and make excuses, or you, you can get back up and fight. I played four years at Carolina, 12 years in the NBA. There wasn't one time where I felt like I was waiting for somebody to get going so I could get going. Okay. We'll get back to the Caleb part in a second. I don't know if I know bejeebies. Let me hear that again. I think that's bejeebies. I've heard of scare the bejeebers. I've heard of bejesus. The heebie-jeebies, but I don't think I've heard what Hubert Davis just said. I think that's bejeebies. That's how I react when somebody says that Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. I think that's bejeebies. When somebody tells me that Coldplay's just a knockoff U2. I think that's bejeebies. If you have anything that you think is bejeebies. 336-777-1600. Will Dalton taking your calls as the executive producer of the show. We're on Twitter at WSJS. Now getting back to the point at hand here. R.J. Davis needs the ball more than Caleb Love. Carolina took a turn for the better when the team ran through him last year. It's towards the end of the season, and that's when Carolina got its four best wins. And who was the best player in those four biggest games? The two Duke wins, Baylor and Kansas. Statistically, it was number four. So again, having RJ run the point, it's not going to fix all the problems. It's not going to fix the three-point shooting numbers. It's not going to fix continuity and trying to figure out how to replace Brady Manic. No, but it will look a lot better than it currently looks right now.
shifting things to college football. College football news that just came down. Mike Elko is your ACC Coach of the Year, we just learned. That's the right decision. 44 votes for him, only 18 for Mike Norvell, who finished second in the voting. That seemed like a slam dunk. Also some big news, thanks to the cooperation of the Rose Bowl, the 12-team playoff in college football is officially a go starting in 2024. And this is good, because almost everyone agreed that expansion needed to happen. The problem was that it's hard to really agree on a number. There's still a large faction of people that see 12 teams that think that's too many. Why not six? Why not eight? And those are fair questions, and I'd probably agree with them. But in reality, politics play a role in things. There are complications when you're trying to get a lot of people on the same page. Cough, cough. Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey probably not going to accept anything less than four at-large bids. So if you wanted all the auto bids, you needed to get to 10 or 12. Don't need to relitigate all of that. It wasn't going to be less than 10, though, because of Greg Sankey and the SEC. It's probably wise to think about it the way that you think about SAT scores or the way that you all took the SAT or at least the way I took it back when. I remember I was told there are some questions there is not going to be a perfect answer to. This is to try and discern critical thinking and critical logic. In those instances, you were tasked with choosing the best answer available. If there's not a perfect answer, choose the best answer available. And that's what today's news is. The 12-team playoff, is it perfect? No. Is it an upgrade over what we had before? I think so. I think it is an upgrade over four. Because it's going to showcase two of the things that make college football special. Campuses and variation of style. In the NFL, everyone's trying to essentially do the same thing offensively and defensively. In college, not so much. Different conferences are officiated differently. Different schools have different types of offenses that you would never think to see in the National Football League. And that's a good thing. Campuses. <laughs> Every NFL team, short of the Green Bay Packers, are in these big stadiums that look the same and that are in these big cities. Hard to really compare that with State College in Penn State, which in this current format, if it was held in 2022, would be hosting Clemson in a playoff game. That is pretty special. Having that location, there would be first-round games on campus with this new format. That's a really good thing. And it also would lessen the amount of subjectivity. The committee, I give them credit. They've done actually a pretty fine job with the selections. But it's the criteria when you trot out their NC State AD, Boo Corrigan, and he has to be vague and have criteria that seems different and contradictory week after week. That's a frustrating thing. And I think years from now, when we look back on it, at the idea of having people in a room select who's able to play for a championship, we're going to think that's pretty stupid. That could not have possibly worked. The way that we look back at prohibition now. Oh, well, why do we do that? That's crazy. Plus, more games means more upsets. We haven't had a lot of upsets in the playoffs. More games means more upsets. It's college football. It's going to happen. You have true underdogs like you would in the NCAA March Madness tournament. Maybe it's Tulane who would be matched up with Ohio State pulling off an upset. Or maybe it's Utah going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Is it perfect? No. But like the SAT, choose the best possible answer. 
if there's not a perfect answer. And given the politics at play with college football, there wasn't going to be the perfect six or eight. So 12 was the best answer because it was better than what you have with four. Your attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. a losing week in our pick segment in about a month and a half now. Graham's gambling in just a second. And if you think my picks are sweet, let me tell you about a sweet indulgence that's the perfect gift for friends and family near and far. That is Miss Haynes Moravian Cookies. They're the absolute best. You can order them online pretty easily. HanesCookies.com. Great variety, including lemon, chocolate butterscotch, black walnut. Didn't even know that it was an option. Wow. And then, of course, you've got the ginger crisps. Give that a look. HanesCookies.com. Nine generations. you got the Hanes family supplying the world with crispy, yummy Moravian cookies. HanesCookies.com while supplies last. Okay, 48-42-1 on the season. That's close to 60% hit rate. Bang, bang, pow, pow. And it's all for free, you know? We're not paying for this. We're just handing out free money to you because we're in the holiday spirit. So let's keep it going in Graham's Gambling. If you're not gambling. Come on now, let's talk some money. You're not trying. You are so money. You don't even know it. But you do. Let's play some bets. I'm going to make you rich. This is Graham's Gambling. Got three in college, three in the NFL. And let's start with college football tomorrow night. It's the Pac-12 title game. USC needs to win to get in. But last I checked, this is the Pac-12 we're talking about. We're used to the Pac-12 having a chance to get in on this stage and then peeing down their leg. That's exactly what's going to happen here. USC, this is the gauntlet that they face. Three consecutive weeks facing top 15, top 20 caliber teams. The finish line is right there. And you've got a team you already faced in the regular season. I don't think that's a good recipe. Not as good of a recipe as what you see with Haynes Cookies, at least. Aha! The last time USC played Utah, they had Travis Dye in the backfield. Now they have a couple of games Utah has of tape. Seeing USC without Dye, there have been more Caleb Williams runs. I think Kyle Whittingham has a game plan to snuff that out. And... At some point, this turnover margin that's been ridiculous in USC's favor is just going to even out. USC has only turned over the ball, WD, four times this year. They only have one fumble the entire season. They're plus 20 in turnovers. That has to even out eventually. Utah's the perfect team where that happens. Utah wins the game outright, but I'm getting three for this segment. Tell them to bring me my money. Big 12 championship. Noon kick Eastern, 11 local where this game's being played, K-State and TCU. Given the way K-State runs the ball, I think they take it to TCU. TCU feels like they're already in, I bet. That's the way things are being talked about, and K-State's playing as if this is their season. That difference, I think, matters, especially if this is right after USC loses on Friday night. I think TCU lets off the gas a bit, and just like with SC, I'm stubborn. 
Picked against USC quite a bit. Picked against TCU quite a bit. Been burned a number of times, but we're undeterred. We've got K-State. Emaw. K-State going to win the Big 12 championship in an upset. They're getting two and a half points. I like K-State to win outright. Tell them to bring me my money. Fresno State, Boise. If you want to watch a fun highlight tape, get a look at Jake Hayner out west. Fresno's a fun team. Boise beat Fresno in the regular season 40-20. to 20. Josh, why would you even take Fresno State in this spot or even talk about this game? Well, Jake Hayner didn't play in the first meeting. Boise hasn't looked too great against BYU and Wyoming over the last month. So I, I like Fresno in this spot. I know it's on the blue turf out west, but I think Fresno is going to upset the Broncos. Still got some carnage left in this college football season. I think we see that with Fresno, the Bulldogs, winning in Boise. Tell them to bring me my money. Boise, as they call it. Next up, the NFL, WD. Every week we hand out a gross football game, a game that just makes no sense. You're going to hate it when I say it. But those are the ones that always turn out to win. The Jets and Bears was that pick last week. And here it is in the NFL, boys and girls. The Commanders are going to the Giants and laying two points. Yes, Washington is on the road in New York laying two points. It's so gross. It's so grotesque that I cannot resist. It is Washington that we're going with. I think that defense is for real. I think they get to Daniel Jones for some turnovers, and Washington's the hot hand right now. Washington, minus two in New York. Pound Tell them to bring me my money. Love this pick. The Steelers, what a great road win for them. They won in Indianapolis on Monday night. Kenny Pickett had some great throws. Now they're going to Atlanta, and... Whoa, Steelers are getting points? Yeah, I'm going to take the Falcons. <laughs> Steelers still aren't a good team. Steelers have not had a lot of success on the road. Sands beating Jeff Saturday on Monday night. And Atlanta is not that bad of a football team, or at least they're not as bad as Pittsburgh's been. So give me the Falcons laying one, small number, as the Steelers enter Mercedes-Benz Stadium on a short week. Tell them to bring me my money. Last pick, Bengals Chiefs. Cincinnati at home getting two, and we'll take those two. And Cincinnati. The Chiefs, they have a horrific pass defense. Cincinnati has a guy named Joe Burrow who's getting Jamar Chase back this weekend. Love that. Love that it's at Cincinnati. I love that I'm getting points. We love a good home dog every now and then, and we'll take the points with the Bengals. Tell them to bring me my money. So in review, Utah upsetting USC. K-State upsetting TCU. Fresno State getting points at Boise State. And in the NFL, Washington, minus two in New York. It's so stupid, but that's that's the one's going to win. You, you mark it down. Falcons minus one against the Steelers and the Bengals getting a couple against the Chiefs. 48, 42, and one on the year. Have not had a losing week in a month and a half. Winter time means hockey. That's what it means. Hockey's here. Love the sport. Canes are in action tonight against the St. Louis Blues. First to call in. Actually, first two to call in gets tickets 
to see the Carolina Thunderbirds this Saturday night at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds Annex, 336-777-1600. Christmas, that's usually a time that it's winter as well, and few do Christmas as well as McLaurin Farms inviting you to a country Christmas. Now, through December 30th, hey rides, Christmas lights, Santa, the Grinch, free candy, all the things that make for a great country Christmas, McLaurin Farms has, and they're located north of Greensboro at 5601 North Church Street. It's going to be a memory-making adventure for all of us, kids especially of all ages. Come see Santa, share your wish, get your picture with him, maybe even with the Grinch. Tickets online at McLaurinFarms.com. Get them today. McLaurin Farms, a country Christmas for the ages. WD watched the movie The Social Network last night, which I might contend for the decade, the 2010s, the best movie of that decade. We've made him watch another one that would be in that discussion. That's Get Out. You could maybe talk me into a few others that are impactful, that you're going to remember. This one came out in 2010, directed by David Fincher, starring Jesse Eisenberg. Justin Timberlake is in this movie. It's a memorable one. But before we get to it, it's at, I actually wanted to play a piece of sound that we didn't have time for just a second ago that I thought was a really neat deal with it being the week of the ACC championship. ACC awards are also being handed out. Drake May won ACC player of the year at the Tar Heels, first ACC player of the year since 1980, since Lawrence Taylor. And Mac was asked about the two best quarterbacks being separated by eight to 10 miles. Drake May and Riley Leonard was the presumption that those are the two best quarterbacks. And, Mac, before talking about Riley Leonard at Duke and his own quarterback, made sure to volunteer a write-in from the reporter's question, Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. This is a pretty, big, uh, pretty cool piece of sound. Let me say first, uh, I am so proud of Sam Hartman. What a tough competitor. Um, I didn't see him after our game, and I texted him and told him I, uh, he's had such a great career. He's leaving now. We don't play him next year. Uh, we've played him every year he's been there, and he's just, uh, he's tough. He's overcome so much in his life at home, uh, losing a, a brother. Uh, and then he, he's, uh, he has the, the injury, uh, the medical issue to start the year, and most people would think you'd be through. And he is a tough competitor, man. He comes back and plays and plays great and breaks a whole bunch of records. Um, so, yes, he's, uh, he's, he's done an amazing job at, at Wake Forest. And he... After If he throws a touchdown in the bowl game, he will have the ACC record for touchdowns. We all just hope that whatever we do is significant enough to be remembered. That's what we all kind of shoot for, and players especially. Yeah, fame and money, That's those are things you want. But fame fades, and sometimes so does the money. But years from now, the things that athletes really appreciate who play in the 80s and 90s, oh, I remember you. You were number 30, played for Nebraska. Oh, you were number 28, played for Florida State. Oh, I remember you. You meant something to me. It, your, your, your name, you know, has some real estate in my, in my head, in my, 
in the nostalgia of something. And Sam Hartman's one of those players that isn't really going to be a pro, I don't think, but an impactful ACC career, an impactful football player, one of the best ever at Wake Forest. So that was pretty cool of Mac Brown to say there. Now let's go to the movie. Unless you're talking about Star Wars. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Movies aren't exactly Will's thing. I don't get it. You uncultured swine! But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At The Movies with Will Dalton. We've got a few categories here to, that we normally get to when we talk about movies. WD, watching The Social Network. First category we have, what did you like? about the social network. So, I do agree with you. Like, you were kind of going into this thing, you were kind of building it up as, like, one of the most important movies of, what, like, the last decade or something like that? Yeah, one of the most important movies of the last 25 years. So, I, I definitely get it because it was really cool to see the birth of something that's become the main way that we communicate now and just kind of see it on the come up. Um, and what's crazy is, so this is the first time you watch it. Correct. For me, I remember watching it when it came out in theaters in 2010. And the reaction that people had to it at that time was, wow, they're kind of harsh on Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, yeah. And then 10 years later, you watch it, you're like, maybe they're not hard enough considering everything we've known about Facebook now. Some of the things that were referenced in the movie, talking about hey, this might be worth a billion dollars one day. Oh, try tens or hundreds of billions of dollars the worth of Facebook now. And, oh, they have 500 million subscribers. Now now let's see what type of... Just seeing where this thing climbed, it was way out of the purview that we even had when the movie came out in 2010, which reminds me a lot of the movie All the President's Men, where you talk about important American movies... That was such a seismic thing, Watergate in the 70s, that you watch that movie and it's it, it feels like American history, what you're talking about there. And as time goes on, the movie is takes on a different tone. And that's what happens with this one. Facebook, the creation of Facebook and what that meant. It influences elections and it influences the opinions of people and has affected society in such a profound way. It, you know... The tone of it is so different now based on everything we know about social media in 2022 that we didn't in 2010. And I thought that's a really good sign of great art if the product is still so good and the tone and the meaning can change as time molds around it. What did you not like? Um, The opening scene where they're on the date kind of gave me a headache that was my favorite scene oh yeah just because the dialogue going back the diet well they were jerks to each other fair you know you're not smart you don't need to study why because you go to bu (laughs) yeah he's kind of a jerk too they were both and that's rooney mara who is an incredible actress and yeah really the way that Sorkin writes a lot of women in movies isn't particularly great, but I'm surprised you don't like that scene. That there, A lot of the best it, lines of the movie were in that scene. Was that the Stairmaster scene? Stairmaster okay. scene, 
People, you're going to think people don't like you because you're a nerd. People don't like you because you're a bleephole. I mean, that's a great, great line. Now, to be fair, that was like my opening thing on the movie. Like, that was the first thing I saw. And it, and, and this whole movie... You're doing it again! Well, again, that's how I take my notes. Because this Do better with your note taking. Because this movie does portray Mark as kind of a, a hardworking, just emotionless robot, essentially. Um, Which... Checks out. It does. Also, by the way, that but that's not the main thing I didn't like about this movie. So, so one of the things I thought initially I liked was the cameo from Brenda Song. And if you don't know who that is, it's she's from Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Oh, she was the um, Andrew- Asian woman. Correct. Yeah. Who's just a crazy. Going back to women being written in this movie poorly, I just yes. don't understand why she set. Uh, Andrew Garfield's things on fire. Yeah, that 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 was a piece of it. I'm like, I don't like her because I, I was excited. I'm like, oh, it's a Zach and Cody cameo. And then it's also important to remember like, oh. that there were a lot of things in this movie they took liberties in. Kind of like even with all the presidents, man. People think that oh, Facebook was created because he got dumped. That's not how it happened at all. He was, and also the party scene at Harvard. There yeah. is no party scene at Harvard. They're just studying really hard. Um. He's just a nerd who liked to build things. That's yeah. That's why. That's how Facebook got created. But that's not as fun of a story. Which is fine, by the way. It doesn't have to be completely 100% accurate. You just... They were telling a story, and it's a compelling story. What's the best quote? Hmm. Bosnia. They don't have roads, but they have Facebook. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Other than dating you is like dating a Stairmaster. I'm 6'5", 220, and there's two of me. From Army Hammer's pretty that, good. That was pretty good, too. By the way, not two separate actors. They had the... They shot... That's one actor doing two characters. Oh, I didn't know that. Really well ed- edited. The fact that you couldn't notice that. Yeah. Million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. Yeah. And that stands out as well. What was your Rotten Tomato score for this? 90. 86. Within four? Within the five, man. So you did good work. We need to figure out. Maybe Darren Vaught can give us the final word or we can figure it out. We're just getting submissions from a lot of people and some on social media too. Denzel movies. By the way. Got a a Fast and Furious movie. Shout out to Andrew Garfield. This was another thing, Tiny, that I like. Andrew Garfield's performance near the end when he found out that they he's got like point zero 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 three. I'm coming back for all of it. Incredible performance. He's really good. Yeah. Spider Man. Spider Man. Yep. Toby Maguire Spider Man, but Yes he is. Glad you know that. That's been at the movies with the WDE. The drive with Josh Graham only on WSJS. We'll play Unusual Questions in a second, Darren Vaught joining us. But given how much of a baseball nerd Darren is, I feel obligated to start in this place because I've spent a lot of time in eastern North Carolina, and a place that is meaningful to me is Little Washington, North Carolina. That's where a lot of great athletes have come from, but... Adjacent to Little Washington is a smaller town 
called Williamston, North Carolina. And perhaps the greatest baseball player from the state of North Carolina was born in Williamston and grew up in Williamston. And that guy was Gaylord Perry, who died today at 88 years old. And anytime someone brings up baseball players from North Carolina, it's always Catfish Hunter that comes up. I think he's from Hertford. Um, recent examples, Madison Bumgarner. You know, DV, that I'm partial to Brian Roberts, the former Oriole, or maybe Trot Nixon, uh, who I think is from like, the Wilmington area near the beach. But Gaylord Perry... I don't think there's any question when you look at resume. Players who were born in this state, nobody in the modern era of baseball is even close to what he accomplished. When you hear the name Gaylord Perry, what comes to mind? Well, I mean, the first thing <clears throat> is is going to be the the spitball or the grease ball, right? It's kind of what he was known for. He was crafty. Um, it's that. It's wins. A lot, a lot of wins. And you're right in the sense that some of the the cumulative numbers the 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 milestone numbers <clears throat> others from North Carolina aren't going to compare to that right like a bum garner's never going to see a a chance at 300 wins 314 wins 690 yeah. starts in his career 5,350 innings pitched in his career, 303 complete games. Yeah, in the complete games, right? I mean, <laughs> that that's unheard of. Um, so yeah, he and he was just jovial, right? It, just as he was crafty, he was fun to be around by any and all accounts. Um, it came from an incredible family with regard to its its baseball roots. The, the stadium that Campbell plays out of, and, and they've been a juggernaut in the Big South in the last five to ten seasons. That's named Jim Perry Stadium in honor of Gaylord's brother, Jim, who played and starred Another for the play. Fighting Camels. Um, you know, they, they just they've got their roots with Limestone College. It's where their dad coached, and uh, it, it it runs deep in North Carolina. The roots that that uh, have been have been placed and and dug out for the Perry families, as it is specific to baseball for sure. His strikeouts eighth all time in the history of the sport in the modern era, only tra uh, trailing guys like uh, Tom Seaver, Steve Carlton, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, and Nolan Ryan. So. Um, Gaylord Perry passing away at 88 years old. Darren Vaught, you might have asked your unusual question on social media today. So without further ado, let's hit the uh, imaging. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. Darren, tomorrow is your 33rd birthday. And That's the question it. that you asked, I turn 33 tomorrow, and I will only feel good about it if we match it with an athlete who wore 33. A lot of people know about your Jordan year, your 23. We need to figure out what the 33 is because we decided last year, I think it was your Weeders year, 
<laughs> yeah. So we had a lot of good candidates. We ended up with with Matt Weeders, the former Georgia Tech and Baltimore Orioles star. Yeah, and then you just came up with a lot of obvious examples like Larry Bird or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't know if I like doing the obvious answer. I think you are kind of in that same boat. So the first name that came to mind for me was either Grant Hill or, I think you'll appreciate this, how about Roger Craig? Ooh. Your Roger Ooh. Craig here? A Craig, see, because you got to be able to, you got to be able to hashtag it too. I think that's something that I'm I'm learning through oh. this process. I love Grant Hill. I don't know if a hashtag Hill year sounds as good as, for instance, a hashtag Canseco year. Eddie year, Eddie Murray, family friend. It could be Murray, and he's boys with your dad. I think that tips see, the scales a little bit. This happens all the time. That I remember when I was filling in for Adam Gold. It blew the minds of Chris Lee and others when I just casually dropped that my dad was friends, legit friends with Macho Man Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth stayed at our home. Same deal with Eddie Murray. Like Eddie Murray was invited, or invited my dad to his wedding, and thing, like legitimate friends, my dad and Eddie Murray. So I, I'm a little bit partial to that. But if you have better 33s that you'd like to throw into the mix. WD, you got something? I don't think you mentioned it. Did you mention a Shaq year? No, all right. So that was suggested. Everybody on thinks 32 when you hear Shaq. Yeah, but he or wore 34. With the Lakers, he was 34. With the Heat, he was 32. With the Magic, I saw a photo that was sent to me on Twitter. He was he was holding a 33 jersey from when he was drafted, but he wore 32. I think I got Magic. the answer. I think I got the the right answer for what we're looking for here. Okay. How about your Jameson year. Antoine Jameson at Carolina wore 33. That's that I have not seen that yet. That's a strong contender. Or given the way that he spells Antoine, everybody will know you're talking about Antoine Jameson. Yeah. It could be your Antoine, Antoine year. Ant Anton. Your Anton year. <laughs> That's good. Your That's Anton good. year? I, I I wonder what Hubert Davis might think about if we called it the Anton year. I think that's bejeebies. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I think he actually would like that. Nah, what do you think? Of, okay, Hubert, what do you think about Grant Hill year? I think that's bejeebies. Yeah, it makes a little bit more sense. Makes a little more sense. Bejeebies? Bejeebas? My favorite suggestion that I got on Twitter, by the way. Do you remember Brandon Costner? Oh, absolutely. Played for NC State, mid-2000s. Yep. Yep. Somebody sent me a photo of Your Brandon Costner. Costner. Your Costner like, it's my Costner year. Yeah, but everybody's going to think Kevin Costner if you do that. And they're going to be wondering why. Well, what was Costner? What was Kevin Costner doing at 33 years old? That could be relevant. Hmm. Did he was he 33 when he did Bull Durham? No. He would have been younger. Did he Maybe. I I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to we're going to cross-reference this. Got to figure this out. While you're, cross, while you're cross-referencing, I'm going to ask WD for his unusual question. So we've talked a little bit of fast food today, specifically cookout, because, you know, apparently that's a thing for Tyrese Proctor. So my question is, what fast food joint has the best fries? 
I feel like that's a really heated debate amongst a lot of people. Hubert, what do you think about the suggestion it's Bojangles? I think that's bejeebies. <laughs> really, this is a conversation of Bojangles season fries, McDonald's uh, golden fries, Chick-fil-A's waffle fries, and the curly fries from Arby's. I think right. those are the big right. four. I have a more important update. Okay. Kevin Costner was born in the year 1955. Mm-hmm. Bull Durham came 88. out. 88. Wow. In 88. He was 33 wow. when Bull Durham came out. That's a that's a point for Costner year. <laughs> Brandon Costner. <laughs> uh, that's excellent. That might be Brandon Costner. I don't know, man. I do like Anton year. I do like that for you. I like that. Some other good suggestions. Uh, you know, some of them are obvious. Like, right, you mentioned Bird and Kareem. Um, Tony Dorsett was one that came across. I don't hate that, but I feel like it's got to be a baseball player. Oh, it's got to be baseball. Well, oh. I mean, maybe, maybe. I just don't. I don't have a connection with Tony Dorsett. Even Costner, it's like it's an ACC basketball player. Hmm. Okay. We'll continue so to think about it. Sense, Where right? do you stand on the more important fry issue, though? I I'm a bad barometer for this i don't eat I, like i don't you don't like fries even even when i do have fast food I, I don't really eat fries yeah it is weird can i do like i like i'm i'm if given the option i'm gonna eat sweet potato fries oh no. all right get them out of here just, oh. just stop all right wd I, I think i narrowed it down to the big four what do you think all right arby's mcdonald's i do like cookout Arby's, I could get behind. Cookout or Bojangles? Because those are the big four. Is there anything else you can nominate? Um, don't sleep on Wendy's fries. Oh, stop! Don't. They started trying, doing the. They're just trying to be. Thing. They're just trying yep. to be like McDonald's. That's, but they're you. I mean, they they taste unique. But aren't McDonald's like? It doesn't taste unique though. That's it. The they definition like of unique fries. is one of one. <laughs> and they taste like McDonald's fries, by the which way. is good, by the way. For Aren't Dan McDonald's fries like always soggy? And no, slimy? isn't that a the little thing bit? With them? They're they're a little greasy. Yeah, you guys, you guys are blaspheming. By the way, for Darren, it's hops, hops fries. They got great sweet potato fries. So, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll hear that. I don't. I also want all of them to sponsor this segment, so <laughs> I don't want any of them to be mad at me. So here's my unusual <laughs> question for Darren Vaught. I'm a sellout. There you go. Um, all right. You see Jerry Stackhouse last night? <laughs> my, man's from, my man's from Kinston. You don't mess with folks from Kinston. I got stories involving Jerry Stackhouse, young reporter. Hey, you want to interview Jerry Stackhouse? He's going to be at Kinston High School. Sure. I go. I even speak to Jerry Stackhouse before. Hey, we're going to do this interview. I, he's going to be in the coach's office. Walk into the coach's office. And he's got his feet on the desk. And laying back, he looks at me and says, who the bleep are you? And I said, <laughs> I told him who I was. And he's like, I still don't know who you are. And then we talked for five minutes and that was it. Jerry Stackhouse from Kinston has me thinking, which ACC basketball coach would you least want to scrap with? Current ACC basketball coaches. I feel like we've done this game before. 
but there have been a lot of changes since we've done this in Chapel Hill, in Durham. Yeah, a little more fit. It's got, it's got those, a little bit younger. Programs. Yep. Uh-huh. So I feel it's an apt question to ask. If we're in a battle royale, who do you least want to scrap with, and why is it Steve Forbes? I mean, look. Forbes and Mike Young at Virginia Tech, they've got like that mountain strong vibe. Nah, to Brad them. Brownell has more of that mountain strong thing than, or just in terms of his size. He's a big dude. Brad's I feel like, a good one. Yeah, Brad I, Brownell. Those, those three are sort of in the same category there. Earl Grant, he's yeah. 45. I only say that because he spent a lot of time at a military institute. He was at the Citadel, you know. Just a really tough as nails type of coach. Should we give Kenny Payne person. a win here? He's a massive dude. Kenny Payne's the answer. Yeah. I think you're missing one. Who are we missing? Mike Bray. Kenny so, okay. Payne would destroy Mike. Okay, no, Mike but Bray. hear me out. Hear me out. Bray seems very much like the type of person to get into a certain state of being if you catch uh-huh. my drift. And not only does he then think he's invincible like all of our our friends from college did, he is invincible <laughs> in that state of being. I could see it. Kenny Payne is from a town of 15,000 people in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Kenny Payne. We're going to give him a win. Kenny Payne he needs this. is the correct answer to this question. Well done. Well played on unusual questions. Okay, we need to figure out what year we're going to make it, though, for you. Kyle, the Amazon driver, writes in, KFC fries, Scotty Pippen year. Absolutely not. We're not doing Scotty Pippen. You don't want to mess your summer up. Absolutely not. Mm. I res- Kyle, the Amazon driver, I respect your decision to suggest that. I do not respect the hashtag Pippen year. Get it out of here. Second fiddle nonsense. So, Brandon Costner. <laughs> I, I kind of love Costner year. <laughs> I do too. I really do like it. It's I feel it's like weird it, enough that no one's ever going to catch. It's never ever going to catch on. That's not going to happen. No, right. So, like, that's the thing. Do we want it to catch on? Yes. Do I want to tweet in the middle of the night about aliens and unicorns fornicating? Then it's the Conseco year. You know, do okay. I want to leave open the possibility for me to do some outrageous things? You want Conseco people to year. understand what it is in the hashtag. That's what you want. And that might eliminate Brandon Costner. That's the problem. I think it certainly does. I think it certainly does. If you type in Anton year, everybody knows. People know what's up. It's your Anton year. Oh, you must be 33. Actually, the problem with Anton year is I don't think, I think he's more prominently known in the NBA as wearing number four. Yeah. I think that's right. But if you're an ACC basketball fan and you look up in the rafters, you see 33 is retired. And he wore 33 with the Warriors. He just wore four with the Wizards and also the Clippers. Yeah. Hey, well, let's let's have it. Let's let's leave it up to Hubert Davis. Hubert, <laughs> Anton Jameson as number four. I think that's bejeebies. I'm with you. It is. 33. It's bejeebies. Yeah. 
33, I think is what I think of. Certified bejeebies. On, on the way out, Darren, a couple things. We've had a number of movie recommendations that just haven't caught on that I don't know if I want to throw at WD. He watched Social Network finally uh, this week. He liked it. That's good. Steve Wilkes' nickname is Denzel. So Hayes Permar and Ellis Williams suggested he see because the only other he, – he watched Training Day because we made him. He hasn't. Right. He watched Glory. We had the suggestions of Flight, and he got Game. And Cedric Gray, all ACC linebacker from Carolina, suggested that he watch Fast Five. Just seems like, you know, the Fast <laughs> and Furious, uni- Furious universe. We don't need to have him watch nine of those or gist. any of those. Okay, Will, so you get the gist. Fast and what Furious, would you suggest? Whatever. All right, let's keep it with Denzel. I think this one just recently got added to Netflix. How about Inside Man? That's excellent. Inside Man is excellent. Great, great movie. It's a Spike Lee joint. Yep. He, We made him watch Silence of the Lambs just a few years ago. Yeah. Or a few years ago. A few weeks a few, ago. A few weeks. <laughs> yeah, so he knows about Jodie Foster. I do. That's right. I feel like we talked about this one briefly because we mentioned Jodie Foster. That's right. <laughs> what do you think of what comes to your head every time you hear Jodie Foster? She's big girl. Yeah, the exchange. She's big girl. Uh, was, she, uh, was she a big old fat person? Yeah, she's a big girl. She's a big girl. Um, really, the Buffalo Bill. It, it won't <laughs> stop making me laugh. Oh, real quickly, what I wanted to ask you, though. Elon High Point. Bob Ryan told me he was out at this game last night. You called it. Real quickly, you have about a minute. What did you see from Elon and High Point? Uh, Elon's young. They got first-year head coach Billy Taylor. Be patient, Phoenix fans. They're going to be good. They're just not there yet. I think they're going to be, be maybe the most improved team from beginning to end of the season in the CAA because that is now looking like it's going to be like the top three teams and then everybody else. Um, high point moves to 6-1. and one. Like. Mm. Don't look now. I think we got ourselves a big South contender playing at the Quebane Center. The cube. The cube. The cube. The cube. The I don't, cube? I haven't, cleared, I haven't cleared that one. No, it's the cube. It's something that was they're they're trying the QC also. No. And it's just like, no. It's if it's not the Q, I'm just gonna company line it. We're, we're Quebane Center. Yeah, because when I hear QC, I think Queen City, and that's not the Queen City. Right. Uh WD. Good to hear from you. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, oh, real quickly. I'm Darren, but that's okay. What did I say? (laughs) You did that last week. You you said WD. Good to hear from you. Oh, sorry about that. What I meant to say (laughs) is. Also, hold on. Can I, can I, can I like file a grievance? Real quick. I don't mind the nickname WD, but isn't the point of abbreviating names to initials for brevity? Will. Will is one syllable. Oh boy. Dalton's two syllables. Don't. He's just Will. To blame B dot, don't blame way, me. It's way easier. No, no. B dot can pull it off. That's the difference. he is you, the you, WD. That's it. You, you, have, you have to be more efficient with your syllables. B dot's got, got executive freedom, he can do what he wants. He's the WD. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your Anton year, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys.